Hello friends. Welcome to our podcast Open Up episode number 3. My name is Sivam Velayudam and I am the founder and the president of Voice of Men 360. Before I introduce our guest, I would like to share a brief introduction about Voice of Men 360 International Men's Day and Open Up. Voice of Men 360 is a non-profit organization founded in 2020. and is based in Toronto Canada Voice of Men 360 organization was born out of seeing the tremendous need of boys and men and stepped up to support and help them in many areas of their lives Voice of Men 360 is part of International Men's Day which is a global organization IMD follows six pillars overall the well-being of boys and men it has been serving for over 21 years the countries around the world join together and doing various activities regularly our talk show is called open up it is called open up because we as men do not open our hearts and are not willing to share our personal matters with anyone and we need to open up when we keep our emotional challenges within ourselves for long periods of time at some point they will explode and affect our health and relationships in many ways open up is an open forum that allows individuals to share their life journey through our platform we aim to create awareness about the life challenges struggles ups and downs that our boys and men go through in their lives each week we feature an individual who will share their life experiences there are no limitations with gender age nationality or ethnic groups anyone can participate our goal is to make a positive impact on someone's life through this program today we have a special guest who is a drug driver survivor of suicide part of canada suicide prevention service cmha Canadian Mental Health Association and he has been helping many employees with their labor rights and also he has been speaking tirelessly about men's issues on many platforms he is the co-founder of Men Talk Stephen Doris welcome to open up and thank you for joining and willing to share your life journey with us Stephen good morning how are you I'm excellent and thank you so much for the intro. It was really really nice to hear uh hear you what you do. Uh this is the first time that I really heard everything that you in golf. So it's really really interesting and I'm happy to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um let me take you uh to your childhood. Let's say what were some of the incident or that happened in your early childhood? when you were 5 or 10 or 15 years old that influences or inspires you in what you are doing right now well <laughs> well to start <laughs> to, to to start with uh my father abandoned us when we were very very young so we grew up it was my mother my sister and myself uh we grew up poor and there was a lot of times where there wasn't enough food on the table for us and uh I remember having sugar sandwiches or ketchup sandwiches and stuff as like like that and I uh my mother used to suffer from what they called back in the 
in the 50s and early 60s uh, uh, nervous breakdowns which mm-hmm. today is d- depression and uh, we didn't know it at the time but this is what she suffered from and my mother was always on pills mm-hmm. so like she had pills to keep her up keep her down and my father like I said he abandoned us and when he was home he was abusive he was abusive mm-hmm. to my mother he was abusive to me and so two people in my whole life to put it in, in words uh, two people in my whole life that I did not want to be like mm-hmm. was my mother and my father I did not want to be dependent on drugs mm-hmm. I did not want to be abusive and uh, so I strive but I wanted to be rich I wanted to be able to eat mm-hmm. I wanted to have the stuff that other kids around me had that I didn't so that's what influenced me to go forward and uh, I always was a worker Mm -hmm. and uh, anyways life took me down a a very dark road at one point Mm -hmm. because of my desire to get out of and I don't like using the word but I'm going to say the ghetto Mm -hmm. that I was living in Mm -hmm. and you know I, I just wanted a better life Sure, certainly. Um, very interesting enough uh, that, uh, you know, everybody goes uh, or has different life uh, challenges and also how we make it into, uh, you know, helping others to uh, that we don't want to see the same uh, struggles that we went through. This is, um, to be honest, yeah, it's thank you. Um, can how about the challenges? Uh, can you can you share some of the challenges when you were um, at high school or um, you know college or any other school days uh, as as a male student? Well, uh, what I'm only finding out now about myself. Um, sorry, I, I I got right off topic there. My mind went someplace else. Um, for male students, when I was in school, mm-hmm. we were uh, well. Like I say, I was in school in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. So it was a time when, uh, and it's still prevalent today, which is very bad, mm-hmm. that boys did not cry. Mm-hmm. Boys did not show that they were having problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys never asked for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, going through, I remember I was in high school and uh, instead of going to ask for help because we needed a pen for a class and my mom could not afford to buy us a red pen and I remember it was a red pen mm-hmm. so what did I do I went to a, a big department store near my high school mm-hmm. and I stole the pen mm-hmm. and I got caught mm-hmm. and I got suspended from school for it and everything else and you know but because I was too afraid to go forward and say I don't have this mm-hmm. I don't need it and I and uh, so many times having gone without food or proper nutrition going to school mm-hmm. um, I would suffer from anxieties and mm-hmm. uh, I got I got beat up I was a skinny kid mm-hmm. so there was a lot a lot of bullying and uh, I was I was beat up a lot put it that way mm-hmm. right um, I, I want to ask you one thing that uh, you can compare and you know now know uh, when you compare uh, in those uh, early years, um, 50s, 60s, uh, even 70s too, and uh, if you take a look at it uh, nowadays, um, last 10, 20 years, so, um, do you see any changes or is still the same thing uh, you see? I think today it's more hidden. 
back then, you know, you'd meet somebody on a corner and you would, you know, uh, if the person didn't like you or you didn't like them, you fought, you had it out. Right. Uh, today, today, what I find there's more peer pressure than there ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. When I was growing up and the area I was brought up in, not too many people had anything. So we were equals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, you know, it's who got the best game boy, who got this, who got that. And I, I blame and I blame the parents mostly because, you know, we because they want to give their kids more than they had. And right. it's, it's only right. My my mother wanted me to have a better life than she did. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my son to have a better life than I did. Mm-hmm. So we would give, 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 give. But And all this is doing is giving the kids today mm-hmm. the idea that everything comes to them, whether they ask for it or not. Mm-hmm. And whereas back in my day, if you wanted something, and I'm going to use an example. I wanted a bicycle. Mm-hmm. I, I was made save my every time I went to the store I got a little tip from my from my grandmother or my grandfather or whatever and I saved my money mm-hmm. and my bicycle cost at the time and we're going back in 1960 cost $37 for this bicycle mm-hmm. and because I had gotten to about $25 on my own after two years of saving mm-hmm. my stepfather paid for the balance Mm-hmm. And I still cherish that bike. You know, I could still see it today. Whereas today, you want a bicycle, you know, you're getting these high-speed bicycles. You're getting the kids have to have the best, and it's they don't work for nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what the biggest challenges I see today's kids is that I think we have to go back, take a step back, and let our kids realize what it is to earn something. Exactly. Absolutely right. Uh, you brought up uh, when, a very important point. Uh, I also started to hear that uh, some people say, it's, it's, uh, you know, nowadays more competition, you know, giving too much, uh, not, uh, not uh, teaching the proper way, uh, easy life, what we call e- easy life, you know, um, that that's, has to change. It needs to change, though. No, I was going to say, I agree 100% on that. It has to change. We have to take a step back. Absolutely. Um, if, if you are okay with that, um, the next question, I just want to um, ask you the, the, the relationship between father and son relationship. Um, if, if you are okay with that, uh, you can share. But if you can uh, avoid, yes, you can. My, I, absolutely. I got no problem. My, mm-hmm. my relationship with my own father, uh, like he abandoned us. I was about three years old. Then I had seen him the next time after that, I was eight years old. When I was eight, he came to visit us, my sister and I, and I was remember sitting in the back of a car that he had borrowed and he showed me a picture and he says, this is the little girl that I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. And it was a little girl wearing a red sweater with bangs. And I said, oh, okay. And just let it go. Mm-hmm. I never seen my father again after that till I was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 31 actually my son was born I just for some reason I just felt I had to meet my father mm-hmm. so I, I went to meet him in a restaurant in Ottawa mm-hmm. and when I went into the restaurant and now you have to remember I'm 30 years old I'm not an old man with gray hair at the time right. and he come walking in and he went to the table behind me which was a man who was sitting there who was mm-hmm. around 55 years old 
Mm-hmm. And he put his hand out to shake hands, and I looked at him. I said to him, "I'm over here." Mm-hmm. We we talked, and I found out a lot of reasons why he had left. I mm-hmm. still don't believe, uh, don't agree with them, but they were his decisions at the time. He was living his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I started to have a relationship with him. We the relationship continued into around till I was about well, actually, till I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see him maybe once a year or mm-hmm. once every two years, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, for briefly. Mm-hmm. The last time I seen him was my 40th birthday, around mm-hmm. my 40th birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> he gave me two shirts. And when he gave me the two shirts, he uh, he looked at his girlfriend, Caroline, her name was, and he says, Caroline, look at this. It's the first gift I ever gave him uh, in in 55 years or mm-hmm. 45 years, sorry, 40 mm-hmm. years. And I just looked at him. I never said a word, and I never brought the shirts home. I left them sitting on his table mm-hmm. because it was for him. It was a feather in his cap that he was giving me something. Mm-hmm. And when I was leaving, he says, "You know, it's the last time I'm going to see you mm-hmm. because he had cancer." And mm-hmm. I never even said goodbye. I walked away. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, and I have to admit, it might sound very cruel, mm-hmm. but I don't regret not saying goodbye. It was like it was my little bit of payback. Uh, I was made promises by my father, which were mm-hmm. never kept. Mm-hmm. My motto is: if you make a promise, you keep a promise. Mm-hmm. I broke a promise to him when mm-hmm. I first met him. My son was one year old. I had a picture of him. And my father asked me, "I want to meet my grandson." And I said to mm-hmm. him, "I promise you, I'm going to bring you, bring him here to see you. You're going to meet him." Mm-hmm. And every time I talked to him after that, he said, "I want to meet my grandson." I want. I knew I would never bring my son to him, mm-hmm. but I promised, and I I broke a mm-hmm. promise. But my father was a not a nice person, and so when when people are not nice, you tend to be not nice back. Right. Um... I I also want to ask you one question here. Um, after all these years, um, you are in uh, late sixties and um, lives in the seventies, but all meeting a lot of men and uh, you know going through so many struggles or challenges, life stories. Uh, do Do you think uh, that your father had a rough uh, rough uh, life? Uh, you know. the way the way he grown up and uh, his father i mean your great grandfather so um how how do you see that after these years uh, i cannot answer that honestly because uh i did not know my great grandfather mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or uh or my grandfather for that matter i didn't know either one of them mm-hmm. i remember vaguely seeing my grandfather once mm-hmm. on my father's side on my mother's side i knew my grandfather but on my father's side i didn't know him. so to say what kind of a childhood he had mm-hmm. he had two other brothers who grew up to be very good people mm-hmm. so i don't think he was a product of his environment mm-hmm. i think he was a product of his own self mm-hmm. because the day that i asked him like why he left left us mm-hmm. and his attitude was well I was 22 years old. I was straddled with two kids and a wife. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. So you know, he just could not 
face up to his responsibilities. And that was it. And that was his problem all his life. So I don't think he was a product of his environment. I think he was a product of himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, no, the reason is not for judgmental. It's just for, um, you know, understand the the, uh, the history or, you know, how um, people grown up, uh, you know, how did, uh, how, how did we see uh, from our side. Uh, let's let's move on to your uh, the suicide survivor part. Um, can you share uh, some of those uh, life challenging moments? Uh, you know, you are a, since you are a suicide survivor. Absolutely. Um, back in the eighties, I started uh, I started uh, three three companies mm -hmm. um, almost simultaneously. I started a, a truck wash company first, mm -hmm. which i i worked hard to get going then i started a transport courier company mm -hmm. and then after that i started a office cleaning company mm -hmm. my problems with it wasn't that they were not successful they were very very successful the problem was i did not trust anyone mm -hmm. to be able to do the job as good as stephen could do it stephen was the best stephen was you know mm -hmm. the top dog mm -hmm. So if there was a job to be done, it had to be done by Stephen. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked for approximately five years, mm -hmm. an average of 18 to 20 hours a day, mm -hmm. seven days a week. Mm -hmm. The human body can't take that. The human body cannot take it on a long, long term. Mm -hmm. I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Mm -hmm. I drank between uh, 10 and 12 cups of coffee and 10 and 12 cups of uh, bottles of Pepsi a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was a quite the great lifestyle mm. and uh, i ate one meal a day mm. for for about five years mm -hmm. then as i said the human body can't take it so my mind started breaking down i started losing interest in what was going on around me mm -hmm. i started letting things slide and uh my body was my mind was going my mind was not anywhere where as sharp as it should be mm -hmm. let my company slide they slid into bankruptcy mm -hmm. I lost them through not caring, not caring anymore. I just, just gave up the ghost. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was spending hours. And when I say hours, there was one stint where I spent 36 hours sitting in a Tim Hortons, mm -hmm. smoking cigarettes at the time we were allowed to smoke mm -hmm. and drinking coffee. Mm -hmm. I was slipping more and more and more into depression, which I did not see. And I have to give credit to some of the people back then. They did not see because they were not aware of depression like it is today. Mm -hmm. It's not in the in the front as it is. And um, gave I had plans for about six months mm -hmm. to kill myself because I couldn't feel, I didn't feel like I could keep going on the way I was. Mm -hmm. And being a man, you can't ask for help. Right. That's just not a, that's just not man. Mm. So I lived by lived in my own head mm -hmm. and uh one night at this particular tim hortons i gave a little comedy stick mm -hmm. and uh when i was finished everybody was laughing everybody was happy i was laughing mm -hmm. and i walked to the door and as i was leaving i said well guys it's been fun but i've had enough of this world goodbye mm -hmm. and i walked out mm -hmm. but nobody picked up that i was talking suicide mm -hmm. And I went home and I, I made my attempt. I started my attempt mm -hmm. and I was well on my way to, to die. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the vision of my son's face came in front of me. Mm -hmm. 
about 10, 12 inches in front. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I swear, I it's like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it's over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. I remember saying to myself, I can't do this to me. Mm -hmm. But I cannot do this to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I stopped what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I went into my kitchen. Mm -hmm. I sat at my kitchen table till 10 o'clock. This was about 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. I sat at my kitchen table till 10 o'clock the next morning mm -hmm. when I could call my girlfriend, mm -hmm. who was a nurse, mm -hmm. who was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I told her what I had done. Mm -hmm. And she brought me to Montreal General Hospital. Mm -hmm. And I started going under psychiatric care for 18 months mm -hmm. to help me get back on my feet. I had a... Sorry. It's okay. I had, had a doctor called uh, Lawrence Ullman. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And this doctor was amazing. He's... I attribute it to really making me want to stay in this world. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's what I did. That's what I did. And since that, I've been coming more and more aware of the plight of different people and put me on this path that I've been on for the last several years. Hmm. But there was, I realized that night that there was too much to live for. Mm -hmm. so, uh, sorry. It's okay. Um, take a deep breath. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um, no, I, I was going to ask you exactly moment but you also said uh, I mean you, you uh, brought us uh, to, to that exactly moment uh, you know every situation especially like this um, that has a twist or some life changing that, that spark um, so that's what I wanted to ask you but um, is, is it, is it uh, when you go back to those moments uh, Stephen um, What, what else uh, you can see on, on that, uh, you know, um, of course, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy to digest or it's not easy to share. But when you go back to those uh, moments uh, that night and then going to a hospital and everything, uh, what is going in your mind? Can you, can you remember some of those? Uh, what I remember, well, what I remember is... Um going home deciding which way I was going to kill myself mm -hmm. I knew I was going to kill myself mm -hmm. I knew it I had my mind I had my plan but I didn't I had a some plans I had many plans actually mm -hmm. and because I had been thinking about it for about six months mm -hmm. but I remember going home and in my mind I'm saying it doesn't matter nobody will miss me I'm nothing I'm You know, everybody wanted me when I had money mm -hmm. because I was a millionaire. Mm -hmm. said, but now that I'm broke, mm -hmm. nobody wants me. Right. Nobody's going to pay attention. So I was justifying taking my life right. by saying I didn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I will not divulge how I attempted mm -hmm. because that's one of the, that's the only line I ever draw on my story. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember thinking this is the best thing that's going to happen for everybody mm -hmm. that I will not long no longer be here when you're in a depression you know like for me it was like I was in a tunnel and 
there was a light at the other end of the tunnel flickering mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I couldn't get to the other end of the tunnel so this was my way I will I will get out of the tunnel my way and uh, I I remember on my drive home which was from that particular Tim Hortons to my house mm-hmm. was about a 25 minute drive mm-hmm. and I remember driving and I was so content mm-hmm. it might sound very strange but I was so content because I was so sure in what I was going to do mm-hmm. I was so positive that this was the right choice that I was doing the right thing mm-hmm. and I remember and actually I'm doing it right now I'm, I was smiling in the car going home mm-hmm. knowing that this was my last drive over the bridge and I was enjoying it, enjoying the view mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a truck in front of me mm-hmm. and it was from Molson's Brewery mm-hmm. and I don't drink so it wasn't exciting about looking at a beer but I remember the truck in front of me and mm-hmm. looking because it was crystal it was clean Mm-hmm. spotless and mm-hmm. it was like wow but they're just you just feel at the time that you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. which I know now wasn't <laughs> um, I, I quickly I want to ask you one thing here um, you, you can uh, correct me um, which way you want to say it um, see some people uh, whenever uh, we hear you know what uh, when they make a decision okay you know what uh, i want to do it it's it's uh, within a second of a matter or like uh, within a couple of hours they do it right away uh, they jump from the bridge or uh, they take knife or i don't know like i mean uh, there are so many ways but um, what i what i want to ask you is you said uh, you plan for six months um, so what, what what is the correlation or why uh some people uh, do do it right away and then some people uh, you know um i don't know is it the right question ask um uh, i i'm going to answer you because i know exactly i know exactly what you want to say there because mm-hmm. uh most people most suicides yeah and i say the most are yep. planned yeah they're planned way in advance not it, it's not just you wake up this morning say okay my life is over i'm i'm done all right there is the the small small percentage of suicides that do happen that way right and it's a small small percentage mm-hmm. most suicides are planned in advance mm-hmm. most suicides and most suicidal people or people that are really thinking about it will tell you that mm-hmm. they're going to do it mm-hmm the same way as I was when I was leaving mm-hmm. Tim Hortons I said this world's great but I'm out of it I've had enough of it mm-hmm. today if somebody told me that I would ask them what they're talking about right right because because of the training that I had because I had the planning and I'm a a trainer for safe talk which is a suicide alertness for everyone which is mm-hmm. a something that everybody should sign up to take it and because it teaches you to pick up on the little nuances and i'm going to just go back a little bit here before i made my attempt suicide and just to show you how things change mm-hmm. um i like i say i made plans for six months 
Mm-hmm. I had started to bring stuff into my house mm-hmm. that was going to help me do mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend mm-hmm. who two years ago suicided. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, oh, it's so sudden. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that he had thought about it for two years before. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, oh, it's so sudden, it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's what we have to learn to look and watch the people and see the changes in people. Because mm-hmm. that's what's important. It's it's the changes that we're going to tell you when somebody's about to hurt themselves. Well, uh, the other question is... Um... How did you overcome uh, from those moments uh, after going 18 months, uh, you know, uh, assessment uh, or uh, all the, you know, hospital procedures? But uh, how did you overcome uh, from that? Uh... I think the reason that I overcame it mm-hmm. was because of my personal attitude toward things. Uh, ever since I was small, I always wanted to be more than what I was. I always wanted to prove myself. That's the word I'm looking for. Not to be more than everybody else, but to prove myself. I had to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was coming out of my depression and uh, I pride myself in the fact that um, I never took any pills for my depression. Mm. My my doctor, when I first went to see him, he said, I'm going to give you some antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, my mother was on pills I'm not taking them. So mm-hmm. he said to me, we're going to make a deal. Mm-hmm. He said, if if you if I'm watching you and I see you need pills, you mm-hmm. will take the pills. I said, mm-hmm. a deal, but right now. So I pride myself in the fact that I never had to. And to this day, I don't. Um, mm-hmm. I had support. Mm-hmm. I had what the, the girlfriend at the time, who is my wife today, was behind me. Mm-hmm. I have friends, and when I say friends, I don't have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. that when they found out, well, not when they found out, because only one person found out, I surrounded myself with people that I could talk to, mm-hmm. and people that don't know, I don't know how to explain it, because I, like I said, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I did not tell anybody for a lot of years what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had my wife, who is my wife today. You know, mm-hmm. she was still my girlfriend, but she was the one that helped me. But mm-hmm. I took, I, I set myself a goal to be as good as I could for mm-hmm. the rest of my life, and mm-hmm. I, I made a promise. My my uh, my psychiatrist, coming up to my last meeting with him, mm-hmm. he says to me, "You're going to do something that you're going to, you're going to make a promise to yourself." Mm-hmm. something that you're going to do every day for the rest of your life mm-hmm. so I said okay and I went to answer him with something I don't know what he said no no wait with my second to last visit with him he says what is your promise and I said my promise is that for the rest of my life every day I'm going to make somebody laugh mm-hmm. and to this day I make somebody laugh every day because it's important to me and that's what I do and that's what's got me through a lot of it is making people laugh making people happy it will it will release uh, so many things in uh, in your in in, in your uh, you know it's it's, it's a healing basic basically it's a healing process so uh, not only our personal um, for us but also the other person next person you know you never know 
right? If I smile at you, yeah. If I smile at you, you're going to smile at me. That's it's okay. an automatic. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you have been helping many men uh, and speaking about men's issues on many platforms uh, for many years, uh, Stephen. So, what did you find that most difficult things have uh, been dealing with men? <laughs> the most basic thing with dealing with men is something that's happening this morning. Um, mm-hmm. Is the misunderstanding of men? Uh, mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, and like I said it before, you know, like men are afraid to. That when I was growing up, you couldn't talk up, you couldn't cry, you couldn't do this, couldn't do that, mm-hmm. and it's still the same today. And that's something that I want to try. That I I am trying to change. Um, you know, and, and when I started Men Talk with my partner, we mm-hmm. were at a a meeting, and one of the one of the women knew both of us anyways and my partner when we were talking he said the one thing he wanted to stop is men sleeping in their cars mm-hmm. and i sat across from him and i put my hand up and i said i've done that after mm-hmm. i lost my companies i slept three months in a car in a truck mm-hmm. in a car and that's where men start talk started this morning i got a call and a message mm-hmm. from some a man who is being abused and this is something that you know a lot of, i just talked to somebody before i got on with you mm-hmm. and i was talking to him about this person and he says what do you mean a man being abused i said a man being beat up by his wife abused by his wife and they said no it's it's not possible i said no it is possible you know a lot of big percentage of the domestic abuse is men being abused by women yes and all we see all we see in our society is the women being abused yeah mm. because i am 5 foot 10 i'm nearly 200 pounds mm-hmm. and my wife is about 135 she's 5 mm-hmm. foot 3 mm-hmm. so if if i go upstairs and my wife beats the heck out of me Mm-hmm. And I call the police and I tell the police my wife just beat me. They're going to come to the door. They're going to look at me. And this is a man thing. They're mm. going to look at me and they're going to laugh say yeah, right. <laughs> and the yeah. first thing they're going to do is they're going to check out my wife to make sure that I did not touch her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are not mm-hmm. we are not believed when we say something happens to us because we are the men. And this is a mm. fallacy that we have to break down. We have to break it down that we are equal to women in so many ways yeah when it comes to abuse it's not mm-hmm. abuse is not one sided my my Absolutely. second marriage was so abusive mm-hmm. uh, my she she would slap me she would i left the marriage because i knew it would become my father i knew i'd become i would become my father and hit her so mm-hmm. i walked away mm-hmm. but we have to you know like in in dealing with her and over and over how it's only seen on one side there you know when you look at uh homelessness the vast majority of homelessness is men the most mm-hmm. suicides 85% of the suicides are men you know the yeah. the numbers are there it's the men that are you know we we are the most like to to die by violent death it's men to to be mm-hmm. beat up and fought with and everything on its men and yet you know we are and I I'm, I'm going to say it and I know I I got to get backlash on this here we are the most abused when it comes overall in my mind this is my mind 
women, yes, women mm-hmm. suffer abuse. I'm not taking that away from anybody. But I believe mm-hmm. men are more abused than women because we're abused from more angles. Mm, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, I think um, it's not in one culture um, across the spectrum um, and also in many, many ways, uh, yes, you are right. And uh, also uh, the media and other, uh, you know, um, people, the society, um, everybody uh, thinks um, or uh you know that's the way it's brought up okay you know but uh, only women um, they are abused by men because of uh, dominating uh, you know by male gender yeah so um, it, it has been for many many decades uh, but now they have to understand also how or what men go through it's not, it's not easy and um, i believe uh, nowadays uh, people have started to talk about it uh, slowly um, and it's a good thing oh uh, what what's your go ahead uh, absolutely we have to keep talking about it we have to bring it out and you know make sure that and i'm not taking and uh, and i want to say this right out i'm not taking anything away from women every right yeah. that a woman has right now is she earned it they yes. they went out and they fought for their rights and mm-hmm. they got the right to vote they got everything that they set out to do because they had they joined together and they became mm-hmm. one voice and they got what they deserved they got their their right to vote they got you know like equally they they still have a long way to go and they, there's still a long way to go in equality between men and women when it comes to salaries and stuff and such we're getting there we're getting there slowly but we have to start mm-hmm. this pendulum going the other way a little bit that men's voices are heard also exactly and um yeah we, i just want to make sure um whoever is listening you know we don't there's no don't don't be afraid mm-hmm. to ask for help don't be afraid to don't mean to uh, uh disrespect uh, or um, you know degrade their uh, issues or uh, the troubles they have or the challenges they have no it's not about that uh, we just want to create awareness what men go through yes uh, that, that's about it yes yeah. yes and what's what's your message uh, for men out there as a survivor of suicide attempt uh, steven i uh, ask for help everybody has a good friend everybody has a best friend mm-hmm. and if you can't find your best friend or can't get to your best friend and you are suffering and you're thinking about going down that path go see whoever your spiritual leader is or go and find somebody that you trust or just go mm-hmm. to Canadian Mental Health Association or go to your emergency room at, ho- at the hospitals but don't do it just go and get help it's with what's what's needed um and for the people that are around you are around people that are are contemplating suicide look at the differences in the people Uh, and I'm just going to state mm. something here that when I attempted my suicide now I am a clean person you know shower every day shave and when I had my businesses I was immaculate every day short haircuts every day mm-hmm. two weeks before I attempted my suicide I stopped bathing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wore the same clothes for two weeks I didn't mm-hmm. bathe I didn't shave I stank and I admit that mm. 
and yet nobody noticed that I changed. Mm. So what you have to do is look around you and look at the people that you care for. And even if it's just a, uh, if you don't care for them, at the same time, I say that kind of funny, but uh, if you're working with somebody and the guy's at the other end of the office and you don't really know him, but you see it, that these changes in them, approach them, ask them if they, you're okay, because we don't go through this for nothing. And but for anybody that's thinking about suicide or you know wanting to end their life don't number one don't do it ask for help mm -hmm. there's lots of help out there and you know look us up on min uh, min talk and i will talk to you personally if i have to there's suicide mm -hmm. helplines uh you know and if you're a youth there's a kids hotline helpline all these things are there for you to not to take your life and just as an antidote, I look back now and it came to me the other day when I was talking to somebody, if I would have suicided back in the early 90s when I tried, I would have missed 30 mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful years. And these years have been yep. so much for me. Absolutely. And uh, the, the life uh, you changed so far, so many uh, men and women out there, so many lives, um, you know, it's, it's not it's not worth it. Um, Let's 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 talk about um, uh, the, the help uh, you are doing, especially uh, working with employers. Uh, I mean, sorry, employees uh, and uh, and their labor rights. Um, how how do you help them? Well, can you talk about that? I, I, I'm not working anymore, so I don't. I'm not in the businesses anymore. But when I was uh, in transport, I was an employee uh, representative, driver representative. So anybody mm -hmm. that had uh, problems with the company and stuff aside, I would represent them. And uh, we were on a, we never negotiated salaries and that, but we would negotiate working conditions. And mm -hmm. what what is happening now? Like, and I I will not mention where I work because it wouldn't be fair to them. Most big companies have employee assistance programs, mm -hmm. uh, which they push their employees to if they if they see need but a lot of times the people are pushed to the side so for me what i would do and there's one person in particular that comes to my mind every time i talk about this what started me really really going uh this gentleman mm -hmm. i was working only four days a week because i semi-retired mm -hmm. and uh this gentleman called mm -hmm. me up at home one day and he had been off of work mm -hmm. almost two years from uh, mm -hmm. depression. And he, mm -hmm. at, he had gone back to work, but he was making mistakes. So, sorry, um, sorry, uh, Stephen, um, can you repeat? Yeah, um, yeah please. Okay, Oops, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, this gentleman called me up on my day off and mm -hmm. asked me asked me if I could represent him because they were going to fire him because he was making too many mistakes at work, and mm -hmm. he had just come back from depression leave mm -hmm. so i went in and we negotiated with the first manager mm -hmm. and then we were told to talk to human resources which was up in uh, uh western ontario mm -hmm. anyways i got on with hr up there and we negotiated that they would give him one more chance and that i would be responsible for him we walked 30 feet from the conference room where we made the phone call to the first manager's office and the first manager said, we changed our mind, you're fired. Hmm. When the driver was leaving, who he was leaving in tears, and I mm -hmm. was in shock because of what mm -hmm. had happened, mm -hmm. he turned around and he said, 
I hope I don't read about you doing something stupid mm-hmm. in the newspapers, like killing yourself. Mm-hmm. The person I alluded to before that died two years ago by suicide was this man. Mm-hmm. My firm belief is that he would have been still with us mm-hmm. if the companies were not so cold. And I, I feel that we have to keep pushing companies to bring, we, we'll look at people in the workplace, okay, um, I fell one time, so I hurt my leg. So, okay, they made accommodations for me that I was, I, I couldn't drive an, a, a, a standard truck. I had to drive an automatic for a while and stuff. Like, they made accommodations. But what we have to start pushing the companies to make accommodations for our people that are falling because of depression, mm-hmm. because of their mental state. And this is what I was pushing for. I, Like I say, regretfully, and I say regretfully that I'm not in the workplace only for that. I don't want to drive truck anymore, but I would love to be there as an advocate. And mm-hmm. um, now what I'm trying to do is get into some of the companies, bigger companies, and mm-hmm. to teach them about mental issues that are facing their employees. And I, I ask everybody out there to bring it to the forefront in their companies, mm-hmm. not just the broken legs, not just the broken arms, the people that are suffering mentally, the hidden ones, the ones that are, you know, I've done it for about 15 years mm-hmm. and it was the best 15 years ever. And we won most of the times that we went up against the company, we got what we needed because the companies, for all intents and purposes, no company wants to turn over in employees mm-hmm. because it costs them money. Every employee they train, it costs them money. Of course. Yep. Mm. So it affects the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So all, you know, we have to keep moving forward when it comes to mental health issues and keeping our employees at work. Absolutely. Um, I I come across a lot of uh, companies, uh, you know, in the past, uh, I would say probably 10, 15 years. Um, And I I used to work with with a number of companies uh, in in those conditions. I've seen that... um, it's, it's uh, heartbreaking, uh, even uh, when I hear some of these stories. Though um, it's, it's 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 not worth it really. Though anyhow, um, I mean, it's really um, you know, uh, yes, it's not only one man job or um, you know, uh, we all have to work together. Not only the employees, but also the hierarchy people too, uh, the management level. So. Um, thank you, Stephen. Um, you know, it's not easy to talk about these things. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, now maybe it's it's uh, over and over uh, again. You talked, uh, you shared uh, on a number of platforms, so it's it's easier for you. But also, the way I am getting, uh, you know, taking this story and digesting, it's it's just not easy. And out there, the people are so many uh, people going through the same situation. At least, um, I, I believe it, it gives uh, some kind of a hope, some kind of belief that uh, they can also travel, they can also uh, make some kind of changes, positive changes in their life. Um, I really appreciate your uh, courage and willing willingness to help other men by sharing your life struggles and challenges. Uh, Stephen, uh, do you want to add anything before we close? Well, only one thing. This has been a pleasure doing this, and. Uh, we have to keep sharing, as you said, and it's not just the employee, it's the employers. Everybody has to work together to get stuff done. And when when you go forward in your life, like for myself, uh, 
like I said before, I've always been an achiever. I wanted to get, I wanted to do, I want, I want, I want. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I've become, you know, for all intents and purposes, a good father. And I was told uh-huh. that by my son when I asked him one day, straight out, because I had changed. I had become more at peace with myself. Uh, and, you know, accomplishments, they, they mean nothing unless I really know somebody has been helped. And I just love working with people and the people are the ones that we have to, you know, the people around us, look around you, just take care of, take care of you. Number one is the main thing I got to say, because that's what I do. I take care of me first and then Uh take care of the other people around you. And uh, I, for this, this morning, I really, really thank you for asking me. It was Uh easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was kind of nervous sitting here waiting for the call, but uh, this this was amazing. This was very very good, and I thank you. Thank you. Um, it, it, it is not um, you know sometimes uh, uh, it's kind of like a healing uh, that you know when you talk about it over and over again, and uh, you share, and other people, uh, whoever is uh, listening, and uh, uh, you know they they can take uh, in a different way and. Uh, of course, they can connect, they can relate uh, to the stories. So, so that's how we can change our lives. Absolutely. Um, it's not like it doesn't matter either uh, five years or 10 years or 20 years. But all, all, what I see is uh, everything happening for a reason. And last uh, 20 years or so, um, you know, you have changed so many lives. So you, you have so much to offer still, uh, serve more. So you, you, you cannot just leave, you know, that, that's what I say, <laughs> you cannot just leave. Um, I always uh, say this, um, you know, in his sperm, uh, 1.225 uh, sperms, uh, you know, and only one or two lives uh, comes to this earth, the universe, and um, start their journey. Uh, but is this uh, suicide or ending that life uh, uh, in, in a couple of years or suddenly, it is not acceptable. No, it's, it's not sad. It's, it's not acceptable. So somehow, somewhere, uh, in some ways, uh, we can change. We can help each other. Um, if you have inner change or inner uh, search, I would say, and, uh, you know, what else I can do? What what uh, what, what else I can uh, do for others? Uh, not only, well, you have to help yourself first, of course. Um, what else I can, I can uh, bring to this world? Uh, you know, before I go, before I end my um, life. If you start to think, if you start to see, if you start to search for something, it is also searching for you. So don't give up. Don't give up. I, I will um, never give up. <laughs> Could I just add one thing? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, all through my, my, my journey since the early 90s, there was, and all through... Mm-hmm from the time I, I was young, I was 16 years old, the one thing I always wanted to do was finish school. I uh-huh. always felt bad that I never uh-huh. finished school. I dropped out in eighth grade. Uh-huh. Uh, two years ago, three years uh-huh. now, sorry, I went back to school. Uh-huh. And uh, when I went back, the we, I went through all the things and the woman says to me, you know, Mr. Duris, it's going to be a challenge because it's in French. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, mm-hmm. if I'm going to have a challenge, I'm going to have a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I did my course in French. 
Mm-hmm. And I graduated at top of my class mm-hmm. amongst the French people. I graduated top of my class with an 86.5% mark. And that, out of everything I've done, my personal mm-hmm. thing is my pride is in that, that I got a certificate on the wall that says I graduated high school. For a lot of people, it's nothing. It's a piece of paper. For me, it was an achievement because if I would have taken my life back in the early 90s, I never would have graduated high school. Of course, certainly. How old are you now? I'm 71. I'm 71. So, 67 uh, when you when you took your uh, certification? Yes, school, sir. Um, yeah. Yeah. See, that, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, th- thank you, Stephen Adoris, uh, for joining and sharing your life journey with us uh, today. Thank you for uh, having this me. This is a perfect. This is a perfect example of open up, uh, boys and men. Let's open up our hearts and share them uh, with others. Let's connect and help more. We want to bring survivors uh, from any kind of illness and keep them a space to share their stories before, during, and after an illness not only illnesses and uh, any other circumstances. If you are willing to share your life journey on our um, Open Up podcast, please reach out to us at 437-889-8329, 437-889-8329 or info at voiceofmen360.org. When you share your life journey, someone's life can be changed in a positive direction. Your message can give hope, belief, and someone out there can relate to your story and feel that I am not alone. I still can change my life in a better way. This is our goal. We want to bring an individual and allow sharing their life journey. Have an open conversation about our men's problems and challenges and how we can help them. We have four live shows weekly on our main platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, open up live talk show is on every Sunday at uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Monthly webinar twice a month on Saturdays from 10:30 to 11 a.m. And uh, there are two Tamil talk show uh, is on Wednesdays at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Sundays at 8 a.m. This is for uh, people who live outside of uh, Canada. Panel discussion. Once a month, um, actually, yes, uh, English and Tamil, and uh, monthly men's group meeting. Every third Sunday of each month in the evening from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Anyone can join. Podcast, of course, this is one of them. And uh, you can participate at your convenience. Uh, We have it in English and in Tamil too. There are no limitations with gender, age, nationality, or ethnic groups. All walks of life can participate in any of our shows. If you want to be a, be a guest on our any of our shows, please reach out to us at 437-889-8329. Email address info at voiceofmen360.org. Bedside voiceofmen360.org. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Facebook group, page, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Voice of Men 360. Thank you for listening to uh, our talks. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you.